Hi there. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Arthritis Life Podcast, where we share arthritis life stories and tips for thriving with autoimmune arthritis. My name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis beyond joint pain. I've been living with rheumatoid arthritis for 20 years, and I'm also a mom, occupational therapist, video creator, support group leader, and I created the Room to Thrive self-management program. I am so excited to help you live a more empowered life with arthritis. We're going to cover everything from kitchen life hacks to navigating the healthcare system to coping with friends who just don't get it. Seriously, no topic is going to be off limits on this podcast. My interviewees and I share our honest stories of how chronic illness affects our lives. This includes discussions about mental health, sex, shame, pregnancy, body image, advocacy, self-acceptance, and so much more. You'll hear stories from all ends of the spectrum, from a person who's living in Medicaid remission from psoriatic arthritis to somebody living with severe mobility restrictions and severe pain from rheumatoid arthritis. You'll hear how people manage their conditions in different ways, like medications, mindfulness, movement, social support, work accommodations, and so much more. You'll also hear from rheumatology experts who just get it. We'll dive deep into the science behind chronic pain and what's the latest evidence for lifestyle changes that can help you thrive with arthritis, including exercise, sleep, nutrition, stress reduction, and more. This is your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to announce that on Friday, March 26th, I'm going to be offering a free webinar called Three Ways to Manage Stress and Thrive with Chronic Illness. So this is where I'm going to be sharing the exact process I use to manage my stress while living with rheumatoid arthritis. And the focus will be on figuring out how to thrive despite our symptoms. There will be a link for how to register in the show notes. Hi. My name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis. I've lived with rheumatoid arthritis for 17 years, and I'm also a mom, teacher, and occupational therapist. I'm so excited to share my tricks for managing the ups and downs of life with arthritis. Everything from kitchen life hacks to how to respond when people say you don't look sick, stress, work, sex, anxiety, fatigue, pregnancy, and parenting with chronic illness. No topic will be off limits here. I'll also talk to other patients and share their stories and advice. Think of this as your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Hi, James. Thank you so much for coming on the Arthritis Life podcast. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Me too. Uh, can you first just let the audience know where you're from? Because I'm sure that the Americans are like, oh, where's that accent from? And what is your relationship to arthritis? So my name's James. I'm from uh, the northeast of England uh, in the UK, just on the outskirts of a city called Newcastle upon Tyne. Um, and I'm a health tech entrepreneur. Um, I, I'm running my own company called Chronic Insights, um, which has a, a symptom diary app on the market. Um, I'm 39, uh, I've got ankylosing spondylitis. Um, I'm bisexual, I live with my male partner of 22 years. Uh, I used to be an IT consultant. I like playing the piano, I like going for walks, I like reading. Um, so that I guess sums me up in a bit of a nutshell. Um, so you asked about my relationship with arthritis. Uh, so yeah, I have a condition called ankylosing spondylitis, which um, is like a lot like rheumatoid arthritis. It has very similar features, but it affects different joints. Um, so it's generally for me, it's my spine, my shoulders, my hips, um, my rib cage, and occasionally other joints as well, like occasionally my knee, my jaw, ankles sometimes um and it affects you know um it affects me every day i've you know i have pain every day um it's just a matter of how how much pain it varies a lot 
Yeah, you know, it, it's constantly up and down. I, I like to picture my relationship with AS as kind of like a story. I, it's a story that I often tell people. Um, so I just one day I was living in my house and well, I, I came I came home to my house to find somebody else had moved in. This this big scary monster that I I didn't ask uh, for or didn't give permission to sort of just wander into my house, but there it is, just eating my food out of my fridge and making a noise and leaving mess everywhere and kind of scared by this by this person who's just sort of barged their way into my house. And I can't, I can't make them leave because um, they've got nowhere to go. Um, and they'll keep me up at night. And for a long time, I, this really, you know, stressed me out a lot. And, you know, I had some really tough, tough times with this, with this person. I was just, just doing my head in. But, uh, you know, what, one day I, I sort of sat this, this person down and, and just looked him right in the face and just and just for the first time sort of opened myself up to you know who who is this this person and and why why are they here and sort of almost be, in the end I've kind of become almost friends with this person I still don't really like them you know they they do make a lot of mess and noise and uh there's just not a great person to live with but actually they I kind of like to so I like to see my my AS as this person that I live with um, who I, I'm kind of getting to get along with quite quite well now that's a beautiful metaphor I really love that and just for since a lot of the audience has rheumatoid arthritis and we call rheumatoid arthritis RA for short it, when we say AS on this episode, that'll be short for ankylosing spondylitis, just for people who might be like, why do they keep saying AS? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like the, that is such a descriptive metaphor for what it's like when you first get this diagnosis and you're like, why is this here? How do I make it go away? And then eventually you realize it's chronic and you can make peace with it, even though you're still going to have feelings that come up of, you know, wanting it to go away, right? Yeah, I I would love somebody to sort of draw this as a cartoon, because I, I can see it in my head as, as a nice little story uh, that you could do as a cartoon of, of, of what it's like, really, and certainly what my experience has been over the many 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 years that I, I've lived with AS because the the relationship I've had has, has changed so much um, over the years. Yeah have you ever been exposed to acceptance and commitment therapy also known as ACT which is a it's a mindfulness it's kind of like mindfulness meets cognitive behavior therapy? No I haven't I've had um I've had some sessions with the with a counselor and, and also were a pain psychologist mm. um, and they, they were extremely helpful. Uh, one, one of the best things that I've done to help myself manage, uh, manage just living with chronic pain. Um, and oh, and an occupational therapist as well. Yay. Uh, and we touched on things like cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and just and just breathing exercises and just talking things through. Um, so I don't think I came across that specifically. Yeah, the reason I mention it is that it's act, uh, they use a lot of metaphors in an act. And actually, there's a woman, Louise Gardner, who's done a lot of she's an artist and she's done a lot of drawings to, to illustrate concepts from act. And one of them is similar to what you're talking about, but instead of a monster, it talks about a beach ball. And let's say you're at the beach and you're swimming and you suddenly this beach ball hits you and you try to, and the beach ball is like a metaphor for uncomfortable thoughts, like, or maybe uncomfortable sensations like pain in our case, or the thoughts that arise around pain, right? That this might not get ever get better. I can't handle it. It's going to ruin my life. 
why is this happening to me? What did I do wrong? What can I do to make it go away? And so she talks about how the beach ball, if you try to push it under the water, it keeps popping back up, right? The beach ball will never be able to be completely submerged. And it's in this metaphor, the beach ball, every time you try to throw it, you know, away from you, it comes back. But eventually if you stop focusing on it, you can just live alongside this little beach ball. A, a way that this could be expanded is kind of like, and let me know if this is wrong for you, but in my mind, it's like the monster of RA or AS, it feels bigger sometimes and smaller other times, right? And some of that's under your control. Like maybe I learned some tools and strategies and now it doesn't bother me as much. It's smaller or sometimes it's out of your control. Like maybe you take a new medication and it just works really, really well. And I mean, it's kind of in your control because you chose to take it, right? But like sometimes the disease just kind of has a mind of its own and it can get much bigger or much smaller. I, I, <laughs> I love, um, I mean, metaphors are, are just generally are so useful for people to get their head around concepts and to understand things and, and also to communicate to other people. Because, you know, the reason that we use metaphors and similes so much is just they're so useful to anchor your experience onto something that somebody else can relate to. Um, so, you know, everybody knows what it, it would be like to try and submerge a beach ball. You can, you can, you, you instantly know what that really feels like and what that means. Um, so yeah, I'm always fascinated by things like this stories and metaphors and, and way to, um, just way to communicate better. Yeah. And I'm curious to take a step back in your own journey. What was your diagnosis story like? My diagnosis story was pretty unusual in that it, it was actually very quick and easy, um, which I'm, you know, I'm very grateful for look, looking back because I, I now know yeah. how quite rare that is actually, especially with these sorts of conditions. So when I was 17, my knee just uh, blew up, um, swelled up really significantly. It was just out of the blue. Just what is, what is this? Just one day I couldn't get down the stairs. It happened over just the course of a few hours. Um, and I was really lucky that my dad has medical experience. He's, he's worked in the NHS or all, all of his career. Um, and he knew straight away that I should see a rheumatologist because that's wow. that's pro that looks like it's something to do with rheumatology. In the UK, what what you generally do when you have any kind of medical issue, if it's not an emergency, is you go to your general practitioner, your GP, and that's and that and then you get a referral onto specialists if if necessary. Um, and I could. I was just really lucky enough to just basically go directly to a rheumatologist because we knew, yeah, I, I need to see one. And um, he he knew who to contact and and get me how to get me an appointment straight away. Um, so I, I did see somebody pretty quickly um, who took a, a blood test and that narrowed it down to uh, it was I think it was called seronegative arthritis mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which they could tell from the blood test which mm -hmm. narrowed it down and then i think within i mean it's a long time ago so my, my memory is a bit sketchy but i think it was within a few weeks it di i di was diagnosed with i think it was initially then became reactive arthritis oh, okay yeah which i think is like a general term for any kind of arthritis which is triggered by some sort of event how have you managed your condition, you know, over, over the years? I know a lot of us go through different phases. My management and my approach to it has changed a lot over the very long time that I've had it. Initially, I didn't manage it very well at all. So it, because it, it sort of, it start when it first started off the first few years, um, it really wasn't a major problem for me. It was sort of a, a thing that was in the background. Um, it started affecting my just my lower back initially. Um, but it was, you know, it was something that I could just 
sort of ignore and just carry on and just sort of plow through regardless. But it very, just very slowly over the course of years, it just got a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse. Mm. And it because that sort of crept up on me so gradually and slowly, I, I almost didn't realize what was happening until I, I just, I was in a really bad, bad state. Um, I was just trying to sort of power through it, just brute force, just, I've got this life to live. I've got, you know, I was going to university. Um, I, you know, had this whole, my life in front of me, you know, I didn't really have specific plan of what I wanted to do, but I know I wanted to be successful and achieve and go to university, get a job that I loved and all these things. And this uh, back pain was just something that was getting in the way and it was annoying and it was frustrating and I, I really wish it would go away, but let's just carry on. Let's just try powering through anyway. Did you have any medication management or? Uh, yeah, uh, so I was I was using anti-inflammatories. So the first regular rheumatologist um, that I started seeing, he he put me on anti-inflammatories. I sort of took the took the worst edge off, but it was certainly still very painful and and very stiff. Mm -hmm. Um. So I yeah I I suddenly realized I got to this point where. Um, I was really struggling to go to lectures, to, to you know, just get up in the morning and, and do my work. And I was really starting to get quite miserable and I just didn't know what to do. I had, I had no idea what to do. I'm supposed to be doing all these things and, I, and, it, and this thing is just slowly stopping me from doing those things. And, right. And I, I got really, I got really depressed. I got sad and frustrated and angry just really angry and at this thing and just the whole the just the frustration of it and it got to a point where I decided I, I needed to see a counsellor after probably just a few minutes of me explaining to the counsellor why I was there and what I was going through I just burst into tears yeah. because all, all of this frustration and and, and everything just I didn't hadn't realized was sort of bottled up in me and, and just waiting to get out and was, you know, causing so much stress. And I think it's partly because, you know, it, it just slowly, very slowly crept up on me um, little bit by little bit. Something can happen so slowly that you don't realize it's happening. Like it, it can get dark outside really, really slowly. And so all of a sudden you realize, oh, it's it's pitch dark. When did that happen? Mm -hmm. It's that kind of thing, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But also I just, I guess I just didn't, I wasn't used to asking for help for things like this. You know, I, I generally had a, a good a good childhood. Um, and just this was the first real ad adversity, I think, that I had faced as well. Um, so once that, once... I had seen a counsellor and once I had sort of realised that I was, I was really struggling and I needed help and I wasn't coping very well um, and I didn't know what to do, that's when the next time I, I saw the rheumatologist, I was probably a lot more honest about how much pain I was really in, um, how much I was really struggling. Mm. And that's when he said, oh, well, we've got this other drug option called biologics i suspect that i was just hiding it a lot yeah that's you know, really I, common for young people like they're in their late teens and early 20s who have this disease they're afraid that that you know if they're afraid of being put on more aggressive medicine or they're afraid of just admitting how bad it is it's um, like one of the phrases i've used about myself before is wayward optimism, you know, like, oh, it's just going to get better. It's about to get better. Um, and thinking that, oh, this is just temporary, but sometimes optimism is not in your favor, right? Because if you, it's actually much easier to control your disease aggressively than it is to um, catch up once your inflammation is really bad. So I think 
at some level by admitting the fact that you're in a lot of pain it sort of makes it more real as well like suddenly it's it's a reality whereas if you just don't even acknowledge it, it it's almost you you know it's it's a much less scary if you can just pretend that it's not really there and you can carry on and you can manage yourself it's it's okay really um mm-hmm. but that that just it, it it works for a certain amount of time and then until it doesn't it took me quite a long time to just be comfortable with saying i'm in a lot of pain like even just saying those words was it was kind of scary and i didn't you know, it wasn't a nice thing to say. It's not a nice thing to say, really, to anybody. Um, and it took it. I think it just took me a while to to get used to saying that to people. Um, so that's, I guess, another another thing that that helped is just being better. At, I got better at communicating what I really needed. And so once I started on biologics, uh, that changed. That changed my life, really. Um, the first one that I took was one called Adalimumab or um, Humira. And that, yeah, that was life-changing for me. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, a membership and support community where you'll learn how to develop your own Thrive toolbox so you can live a full life despite your rheumatic disease or chronic illness. Learn more in the show notes or by going to www.myarthritislife.net. I was told, let's let's try this thing and over we'll 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 give it to you over a month or over a couple of months and we'll we'll have you back and and maybe by then it it might have started helping you. Um but don't, you know, don't expect anything to happen for, you know, several weeks or if 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 at all because for some people it, it doesn't it doesn't work. And I remember taking the the first injection and the next day I sort of something felt different and I couldn't I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And then I realized I could move my neck mm. in ways that I just I haven't moved my neck for a long time. And I and I had gotten so used to move you know, turning with my my whole body. You know, not really moving my neck. I would move my whole top yeah. of my body and my shoulders. And, and all of a sudden, I, I could move my head independently. And it was like, that feels really weird. <laughs> and it's like, what? What's going on? Oh, is that is that the uh, is that the Humira? And it tur- turned out, yeah, it was. It was actually, it for me, it, it worked incredibly well. Um... I mean, within within a few weeks, I basically had no symptoms of of AS. It was it was it was just amazing. And, um, and this is why I do a lot of work on educating patients against medication shaming or um, just on having a balanced approach because I think so many people are scared of the medicines. Not to say that everyone's guaranteed to have the same story you have, but the majority of people do have a positive response. It's just the facts of the science behind it. And and yes, there are side effects and some people have severe side effects like with any medication. It makes me so sad to think of a lot of people who are like kind of in pain unnecessarily because they're so scared of the med. Or did you have any hesitation? Yeah, was obviously going through... It was obviously explained to me, you know, with all drugs, that if when you read all the possible side effects, they're all a bit scary. I w- you know, I was struggling so much that thing is when when you when you are in real need. For me, the the balance of the possible risks and the 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 fact that I have to inject myself, you know, the downsides, the potential upsides of it helping me even just a little bit was just for me was just a no-brainer it's like yes <laughs> of course i'm gonna try it I, and you know and for me it, it turned out to be abs- absolutely the, the right decision just what it what it gave back to me was just was just massive and i think i think you know everybody's obviously got to make that their, their own decision and i and i think that's right uh, but uh, yeah, for sure. If I'd say for anybody who is sort of um, in the same situation and wondering, should I try this or sh- should I try not? Just 
you know, try and be as informed as possible. Um, ask other people who, who have tried it um, what, what their experiences are. Um, because for me, the, most people that I've asked about it have, have said similar things that, yeah, it's, it makes a massive difference. So how, are you still on Humira or? No, I'm not. So yeah, that, that was sort of, a sort of the middle of the story. Yeah. I mean, during the, so for three years, Humira was just amazing. Um, I, I did the great North run twice, which is this half wow. marathon that, that takes place in Newcastle, uh, just down the road. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe I was doing that. I mean, the idea that I was, I was doing a half marathon twice was just, wow. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I was able to really, you know, get, get into my, um, I was being an IT consultant at the time and, and, you know, and, and enjoying what I was doing. Yeah, I was, I was, quite successful but then uh then it's it started to sort of wear off and over a long period of time it took a long long time for it to wear off but over probably a year or a year and a half it went from no symptoms to oh a little bit of a stiff back there um and then it it started recurring a lot and i sort of knew yeah, that's the AS, I think, coming back. Um, and it just, it gradually got worse and worse. I think I was aware of that there's, this was a possibility, and it is a possibility with, with biologics that eventually they, they might stop working um, mm -hmm. in some people. And, and I'm Most not sure people, it's... yeah. It's that your body creates antibodies to it. So the part, the same faulty part of your, or misbehaving, as Dr. Wada said in the recent episode, the misbehaving mm -hmm. part of your immune system, it's misguided enough to like attack your own joints, but it's smart enough to figure out how to outsmart the medications eventually. <laughs> so that, so that happened. And, and that was, that was really hard to take. That, that was a real um that that was a massive blow to me because i had experienced what it was like to just have a completely normal life and then i knew i knew kind of when it was coming back what it what it was and that it was gradually getting worse and i i was kind of i kind of knew that this is all coming to an end and um yeah, I really struggled with that mentally. Just it uh, it was just so frustrating and and it was just so I was just so sad that mm -hmm. um all all these problems were sort of coming back again. And you know, I was just obviously going back to the rheumatologists um and and trying to figure out what what to do which and the first thing was to try some different biologics and I was able to try start trying some different ones and I think I, I I think I might have tried two or maybe even three um I can't remember now um and they they didn't work either but no I for each one I had to I had to try them for a long time to really make sure that they definitely didn't work because we didn't want to try one for too short a period of time and and for it not to fully work because yep. you know maybe it'll take up to a couple of months or three months or something for it to actually uh, make a difference mm -hmm. um so it you know i went through a long period of time of, of trying a couple of different ones and unfortunately they just for whatever reason they just didn't they didn't work for me and i um I sort of got worse and worse over that over that period of time. I really, really struggled with that. And um, while I was at work, I was I was starting to get quite stressed as well. So yeah. at the time I was I was being an IT consultant. So it was a lot of meetings, um, a lot of, you know, going to see new customers, um, traveling. Um, I had a, you know, sometimes I would have uh, team members that I was managing or, or projects. I was, I was, you know, managing some projects as well. 
and it started to become a, a real struggle to do that and um and deal with the chronic pain and the fatigue and the tiredness and the just generally feeling unwell and just the un- unpredictability of it um you know not knowing what today is going to be like having to cancel meetings at the last minute was the worst thing you know mm. having waking up realizing it's just not going to happen today and then having to write that email or make that phone call to a customer to explain why um, you're canceling at the last minute and having to maybe explain what ankylosing spondylitis was again. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a whole other topic, you know, choosing whether or not to disclose. Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate to, to be working in a company that was just small enough that it, it kind of had that sort of almost like a it was like a family yeah you know and I, and I never felt um like I needed to hide anything um I you know I probably you know I I probably still still did to a certain extent um because again it's it's not it's something that you know I've struggled with my, my whole life is try, figuring out how you know how do I communicate the fact that I'm in pain all the time without feeling like I'm just, I'm like a broken record telling everybody that I, I'm in pain a lot and, mm-hmm. and the sort of, um, I don't know, guilt and unease and anxiety that comes along with that. Um, but, you, you know, generally, I mean, my manager was very supportive. My, my The company as a whole was very supportive. They, they got me a standing desk and a, and a fancy chair that I could use to try and help me. They, you know, they were very flexible in allowing me to just take time off when I needed to. It got to a point where I had a, one really bad year where I was in such, such a nor- just excruciating pain every day that I just couldn't work at all. Um, I was on two crutches, um, a lot of the time because my, my my ankle swelled up a lot and just my my days became going from the bed to the sofa and then back to bed again maybe via wow. the kitchen to get some food and 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 that was that was the most exciting thing that would happen to me because even just getting out of bed was probably the most exhausting thing uh, of the whole day I had to mm create the system of rolling out of bed yeah. in, in such a way that it minimized the pain in my hips mm-hmm. you know I would sort of roll onto my face and then sort of try and swing my legs out of the bed mm-hmm. and then I would end up kneeling down and and it would take me you know several minutes just to get out of bed were you so, living alone at the time or was no I was so there? I've been living with my male partner for through throughout all of this um and you know he he's been extremely extremely supportive and 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 loving and and understanding and uh, i'm so grateful for that because mm-hmm. um yeah that that that's really helped mm-hmm. um but you know a lot a lot of days i want to just get out of bed myself and not mm-hmm. to worry him about it uh, yeah. so you know some some days obviously he would be able to help me. Some some days he he left for work, and I'd yeah. be on my own sometimes. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. yeah, that that was probably kind of rock bottom moment for me because I I'd lost I'd lost my purpose in life. You know, not being able to go to work and and do do my job. I was just stuck indoors. I I couldn't really do anything other than watch TV. Um, and I, I really struggled with that. I, you know, there, there were some really, really dark days where I was just, I was just miserable and depressed and it just, I was just purely existing. Yeah. You know, as I was, yeah, I was just there. I wasn't able to do anything. Um, and it, it was miserable. I hated it. Um, and I and I start to wonder whether I would ever get back to work again, um, and just mentally that was that was just the worst worst year I've, I've ever had with it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it was it was actually it was probably at that time that I I came across um, meditation and mindfulness. It was probably a bit of a, a breakthrough moment. One of the things that I discovered was this audiobook called Practicing Mindfulness that's on Audible. Um, and it, there was a chapter on specifically around pain and using meditation to help manage and cope with pain. And it takes you through a couple of exercises. And, and one of them was this really interesting exercise, actually focusing on your pain um, and sort of t- turning your attention towards pain. Because we spend so much of our time ignoring it and turning ourselves away from the pain, um, which in itself is quite exhausting. And we never really sort of pay attention to it um, because it's this horrible thing that, you know, it's it's natural to to not want to pay attention to, to the pain. But it was really, I found this exercise just really interesting because it sort of teaches you to, to, relax and you know goes through this sort of initial breathing exercise and just you know listening to your body and then what this exercise taught kind of teaches you to do is is sort of focus on your pain and be curious about it notice whether it's really constant or whether it's actually changing because um, often, you know, it feels like pain is just constant. It's there all the time. But I noticed when I really focused on it, it, was, it wasn't always what I thought it was. It was just sort of come and go. It would be there. It would be. It would shift and it would change. And just this idea of being curious about it for the first time. You know, I've, you know, I experienced it for years and years, but never really just focused on it and. And, and and turn my attention to it with curiosity. And the the idea was to teach yourself that you can actually live with this sensation. You you start by observing the pain and then you try and observe yourself observing the pain. Like you learn mm. to be the observing self, not just the inhabit itself like inhabiting your body and it and it, it it's difficult and it you know it's not something that i i can do all the time but it was just it was just that moment of realization that that was possible and it, and i and i managed it once this this one time i managed to sort of see myself it was almost like an i hesitate to say out of body experience because that sounds very sort of sort of unreal and it was a very real experience. I really felt like I could just observe myself as this other, as this entity that I could, I could empathize with and feel sorry for. And it, and it, it's this, this person experiencing pain. And in that moment, I, I sort of es- escaped the pain. I, w- I was sort of outside mm. of it, yeah. looking, looking into it, even though, you know, I was, I was physically experiencing pain at the time just this realization that i could sort of separate myself from it was probably like a it was a sort of a breakthrough moment in my perspective and my appreciation of meditation and and it just it led to a much more positive mindset i think yeah so i th- i think from that sort of rock point rock bottom point things slowly started getting better. And it was a mixture of the fact that actually I did eventually find another biologic which started working, which obviously (laughs) helped a lot. Yeah, Um, no, but the mental piece is so huge too, like because the biologics can come and go, right? So I'm on my third and each one has worked for me, but doesn't mean the next one's going to work. So the mental tools, to cope with the pain and the uncertainty um, is is like a skill that will help you no matter what, right? Because 
you don't know what's going to come up in life. It could be something totally external to your disease too. So I'm, I'm just yeah, preaching to the choir here, but I, I think it's amazing that you came to this breakthrough all on your own. I mean, I had to learn it from two separate therapists over multiple weeks, hitting me over the head. Cause I was like, this doesn't make sense. Why would I want to feel the pain? I don't, I don't like you, you know, <laughs> I had, I fought against it really hard. I'm paying you to tell me to focus on my pain. This is so weird, but I did trust. I had built trust. So I developed really severe clytrophobia, which is fear of being trapped. And I felt trapped in my body. So when I was having this pain from my stomach and my rheumatoid arthritis, I started panicking. Like I can't get out. But instead of it being like claustrophobia where you're like, I'm in a small space and I can't get out. I was like, I'm in this body and I can't get out of this body. Like I kept imagining, like, can I just transport myself to someone else's body. I don't know if you've ever had that, but um, so yeah, learning how to become the unembodied self or the observing self was huge, um, yeah. but you can't, it's like the only way out is through. You can't circumvent the process of actually connecting to and feeling your pain, which is really scary. Yeah. And I think, I think that that process is what really started me on the road of ex accepting um, a condition, which is something that, you know, I've heard a lot from a lot of your other guests. It's it's a theme that keeps coming back, and it and it really is. There's a reason for it. It's it's because it it really is the crux of, I think, coping with chronic pain is, is being able to accept the fact that it's there, and it might not go away, um, but you can actually live alongside it and be okay with the fact that being able to stop wanting it to be different stop wanting your life to be other other than it is accepting the fact that it it is the way that it is um and you didn't ask for it but you can you can still have a life with it and and that whole process has helped me enormously over the years and it's it's that and this toolkit of, of of lots of different things that have developed as well as the acceptance and and the meditation um things like well exercise um and somatics is something that i i i really i love it's like pilates and yoga it's an exercise that you do on the mat connecting to your body yeah that's yeah. kind of where the similarities end really it's, it's actually a lot different to pilates and, and um yoga in the it, it's very slow and gentle um then the movements you won't typically you won't get out of breath doing it you probably won't even start sweating um it's all about moving very slowly and very deliberately um, and, and paying attention to how you're moving your body. And it's, there's this whole idea of sensory motor amnesia, which sounds really bizarre, but w once you start learning about what, what it's about, I think, I think there's really something in, in it. It, it. It's about the fact that, especially with con a condition like Hanklus and spondylitis, we tend to get stuck in certain poses um and and sort of we we get tense and rigid and i th i think that actually contributes to the pain in a sort of cyclic way you know i feel pain and i tense up and that tensing up kind of creates more pain and you, you sort of get into this vicious spiral and the reason i i love somatic so much is that a a it's something that i can i can do even on bad days you know because it's it doesn't require you to be athletic. Um, and it's also something that I just find relaxes me a lot. Um, it relaxes my joints. It, I feel much more, I can do, I can do a class and after the class, I just feel more aligned and loose and everything just feels like it's, you know, my shoulders are down and relaxed and I just feel great after doing it. And it, it's, uh, it's kind of magical in, in a way, um, because you're not really, you, it doesn't feel like you're doing a lot. 
there's this sequence of movements and there's various different movements that seems to allow your muscles just to relax. So that's, that's something that I just added to my toolkit recently, but reclined exercise bike, I've got one at home. I, I love that. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, it's something that I can do even if, even if my back is sore and it, it really helps my hips, I find. Um, I got this uh, little pedal exerciser that it's just, it's just basically the pedals. You can put it in front of you on the, so in front of the sofa or something like that. So during that really bad year that I had, it's just, it was just a massive flare up. Um, and it, it really affected my hips a lot. Yeah. And I found just being able to move my hips just very, very gently while I was sitting on the sofa, just, just helped ease the pain a little bit. And I, mm. I like to stand when I'm working at the computer now. I've got mm -hmm. this standing desk so I can stand when I'm able to and then sit and then stand. So I keep changing my posture. Um, just mm -hmm. trying to do one thing every day. One, one thing that will help me, whether that's somatics or going for a walk or doing some meditation. I try and just, just do one thing, even on days that I'm... One, one thing... Uh, is actually just allowing myself to have a bad day. Mm -hmm. um, I like to just, I like to allow myself to be really fed up and miserable and just, oh, I hate this. <laughs> I actually find it, it's sort of cathartic in a way. It's, yeah. it can be therapeutic. And, but just recognize, recognize the fact that you need this day. I tell, I tell my partner, look, this is just, I'm going to have a rubbish day. I'm going to be miserable today. Just, just, just let him know and just sort of, and just give yourself that day to just be fed up, just lay around, watch TV, just be miserable and just sort of wallow in it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sort of counterintuitively, actually, I find really it can help my mental well-being. I need that. Because, you know, we are going through something that's really horrible. Allow yourself, allow yourself to feel that, you know, allow yourself to be sorry for yourself. Well, it, because it's giving yourself permission to feel your feelings, you know, and I'm a big fan of Glennon Doyle Melton, who is an author of a bunch of great books, um, including Untamed. But she has this really deceptively simple phrase, which is feelings are for feeling. Like we don't, we're not just supposed to feel the good, happy feelings. And I know kind of, um, in the U S like American culture, it's definitely like, we should be happy all the time. Have a nice day, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's funny because a lot of people will say to me, like, you know, like you have a positive, how do you have a positive attitude or whatnot? And I'm like, well, I don't try to, like, I don't, I don't think po straight up, like positive thinking, like, um, saying I'm only going to focus on the positives. I don't think that's productive for long-term chronic illness. It can definitely help get you out of like a, a spiral that's not helpful, but like accepting my feelings makes me actually overall feel happier, <laughs> but you can't yeah. get there by trying to be happier. It's like people have it backwards. I think if you try to be happy, then you'll be happy. But, or if you, and if you avoid feeling your pain, if you avoid admitting that you're upset or frustrated, that that's going to make you happy, but actually it just frustrates you more because you aren't connecting to your feelings. So the feelings are like the beach ball and you're just sitting there hitting the beach ball and trying to make it go down when you're actually going to be happy. If you just let that beach ball be next to you and say, that's a beat, that's there. That's a beach ball. That's, that's how I'm frustrated. That's a frustrated thought. That's a, you know, these are just thoughts that I'm having. I'm having the thought that I'm stupid, you know, or I, I have that. I actually didn't even realize how often I had that until I, realized I was saying it out loud sometimes. And <laughs> my son would start, he started modeling it. He would be like, Oh, I'm so stupid. Cause I would say something like totally in a self-compassionate way, but like, Oh, I'm so stupid. I forgot that, you know? Um, but then I realized, Oh, like that's, you know, like to me, that's okay to say, cause I just, I don't stick to it. I don't, or I don't let that stick to my brain. It's just a thought like, Oh, that was, you know, that was stupid. Or, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm worried about this happening. It may or may not happen, you know, but that detachment from your thoughts is so crucial. You're detached, being able to feel your feelings and then not, they call it an act. It's called um, fusion, being fused to your thoughts or sticking to your thought versus 
allowing the thoughts and emotions to just arise. Like they're like waves. They just come and go, you know? So it's very freeing. It frees up your mind if you, if for, to focus on other things, like what's important in your life. If you aren't spending so much time trying to submerge these quote unquote bad thoughts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to come across as sounding like I've got it all sorted. I'm honestly, I'm, I'm always one little, little thing away from just, oh, <laughs> I'm fed up. Throw my toolkit out the window, you know, you know, I have those days where I, I, I sort of revert back to my back right at the start where I don't know how to handle this and I don't know, you know, what what's going on. Um, and that that's OK. You know, I think it I think it's important for people to realize that everybody feels everybody with chronic pain or chronic fatigue feels like that. Um, maybe not every day, but, you know, I still have those days where I'm just completely lost um, yeah. and just questioning everything and I, I just I don't know what to do that's um, part of being human really I think yeah, you know yeah. maybe having a chronic illness makes you have a little bit more of those days than the average person but I want to make sure because I want to I want to talk about all of this like forever but I want to make sure we spend some time on your unique creation I was going to say like your little baby the chronic insights app what what made you decide to create an app to help like a symptom diary or in the US we just call it like a symptom tracker uh so a lot a lot of a lot of little things um i mean it kind of it kind of came out of my own experiences of going to see my rheumatologist um and one of the things that i really hated about going to see my rheumatologist was the questionnaire that i get asked when i go in and one of the questions is over the last six months, on a scale of one to ten, how has your pain been? And it, I, and I never really knew what what to put for that. I just I have no idea. Um, do you mean what's the worst it's been? What's the average? Uh, what even is the average? I have no idea. Have I had? Has the last six months been better than six months before that? I I don't know. I really don't know. Um, why you ask? I mean, and I understand that it's difficult to produce a, a questionnaire that that captures everything. Um, but that really that just didn't sit with me very well. And I and don't get me wrong, I love my rheumatologists. Uh, I I'm lucky enough to when I had that really bad year, I was referred to a couple of really great doctors. But even though even though I have a really great relationship with them, when I'm in there and I'm asked, so James, how have you been? My, my mind kind of goes blank when you have pain and fatigue every day. And then somebody asks you, how has it been? Um, it can be really difficult to, to, re- to even know. And this became really important when I was trying lots of different biologics and I was trying different anti-inflammatories and I tried gabapentin for a while just to see if that might help and obviously every time I would come back they would ask so do you think this new drug has helped and often I've been in a similar situation where I was like I don't know maybe I think maybe I'm a little bit better but because it's so up and down yes how do I really know It's very hard. And there's so many different kinds of pain, like stiff pain, comma, or hot pain, or stabbing, sharp pain, dull, achy pain, you know, so I don't even think it makes I can, I cannot conceptually wrap my mind around one, one to 10 scale, because there I could be at an eight on stiffness that affects my quality of life severely. But it's only it's a zero on the sharp stabbing pain. You know, there's it might be zero on numbness and tingling pain, but it, you know, it's the stiffness can make it so I can't uncurl my fists and I can't take care of myself and perform my activities of daily living. But so where do I put that? Do I average it like eight, zero Mm. and zero and zero? Mm. Then it's going to average to like three and a half. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even represent any of the pain, you know? So yeah, Yeah. it's a very imperfect system. And, And always when you go to see the doctor, I don't know what it is like with you, but for some reason, 
more often than not, I'm just, I'm having a really good day that day. Oh yeah, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't know why that happens, but it, it seems to. Yes. And so they're doing the measurements and with, with um, ankylosing spondylitis, my rheumatologist likes to do certain measurements. So they'll measure how much my rib cage can expand when I take a deep breath. And I, and I bend over to touch my toes and they measure the, the back, how much my back can flex and a couple of other, other things. And, I, and I'm, I'm kind of, it's really, uh, it's, it's kind of frustrating in a way because I know tomorrow I'll, my, the numbers will be completely different, you know, and, I have, and I'm always saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm having a really good day today. This is probably going to exaggerate how well I am on, on average. Mm -hmm. But the problem is all they can do is assess you how you are that that day. I, I you know, I, I so I started to think, well, I, I should be recording these things while I'm at home so I can. It'd be so much easier if I can just show come in to the appointment with a chart that just has my my pain, how much it's been going up and down mm -hmm. and, and all this other information. Um, and I tried uh, some symptom diary apps and I didn't, I just didn't really like any of them. Um, and I was, you know, I've been in IT, I knew how to program stuff. And this was sort of at the time where I was having that really bad year. And I decided that if I do, if I am ever able to get back to work, I want to change what I do because the whole consultant thing isn't really, it's just not compatible with my condition. I need to do something else. So this idea came up in my head that why don't I create my own symptom diary app that's better and does everything that I want it to do. And I can work on that when I can, um, have a lot more flexibility. Um, and so th this became my, my sort of, I, I quit my job and set up a company and started working on it. And I've been working on it for a couple of years now. Um, it's been through various versions and iterations and I came up with this great idea of having this 3D model so in the app you can you can rotate this 3D figure and draw yes. onto it with your finger you know your arm your shoulder down the back what wherever it is you can actually sort of paint it on and that just that just worked really well um, and I thought oh yeah this is this is definitely better um, so I, I released it on the on the Play Store and the App Store for Android and for iOS. You can you can download it now. It's called it's called Chronic Insights. Yes. Um, so I'm really really interested to see what people think of it. Um, I'd love people to download it and and try it and um, and just let me know what they think of it. Um, rate it if they like it uh, on the front page of my website chronicinsights.com if you scroll down to the my story section there's a couple of images there of I've taken some screenshots of what my mm -hmm. symptom diary looks like and I showed that to my doctor I showed those images to my doctor and those images it, it basically shows the pain that I and I have in in which joints and how how severe it is in 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 each joint and I haven't created this picture. It's just, it's an average of all of the readings that I've taken over about a year or so. And wow. it just, it, it just perfectly describes exactly how I feel in sort of this 3D color model. You can play it as an animation. So, and I found that is really, really useful for showing other people just who have no idea what chronic pain is, is all about or what ankylosing spondylitis is about. If you show them an animation of this, this, this figure and that the pain is coming and going and it's shifting and it's changing and it's going red and orange and purple and, and people That's just, so cool. just, just seem to relate to that. They, they instantly get it. I think they, they see it visually. There's something about seeing it visually. And when my doctor, when I could show my doctor, when I went into my appointment with this chart of my pain, they were like, they were so excited because they'd never seen this before. They'd never seen a patient come in with this chart of, of their pain. And it's like, oh, that's really, you know, really interesting to them. 
Because again, they can instantly see the fact that it's it's always there, the fact that it's it's constantly up and down. You know, this line is just going up and down and up and down and up and down. And I can see whether it's gradually increasing or gradually getting worse, which helps me figure out what helps and what doesn't. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really glad I, I decided to do this because uh, I, I think it, it really helps. Um, and, I, and I just I really hope it helps other people as well. And I like that you have the ability to add what I think you call factors in it, which are like your behavior, you know, or your elements that are going on in your life. So, you know, maybe you didn't sleep very well the night before or exercised today. So then you could start correlating you know, oh, if I exercise or maybe what I eat, you know, how does that affect the symptoms as well? Because I think, you know, often these questions are asked to us in a really simplistic way. Like, do you think this is working or that? But often in my life, at least there's so many factors going on. You know, I might've added a new medication, but then also like I was moving, we moved, you know, to a new location. And so then I was, you know, putting more stress on my joints. And then I was also Mm -hmm. trying a different diet and, you know, like there's hardly ever just one variable where everything else is constant, but that's, Mm, you know, the ideal for studying the effectiveness of something is don't change anything else and just change one thing and see what the response is. But in reality, our lives are so much more complex and complicated. We're rarely just changing one thing. Yeah, exactly. Which makes it so much even more difficult to figure out what helps and what doesn't you know, people who have been trying to solve this, you know, solve, quote unquote, the problem of, you know, why is healthcare so behind in terms of technology? You know, like, why aren't, why aren't more health facilities utilizing things like apps, you know, but I just think it's brilliant that you went and you just were like, I'm going to create what I think we need. What's been the response? Oh, I've had some amazing feedback. Uh, Just people um, have been reaching out to me uh, by email, uh, just to say, I love the app. It's it's brilliant. Uh, finally, finally, an app that I can use, mm-hmm. uh, which is just it's so wonderful to get feedback like that. Because yeah, I've been working on it a couple of years, and it's got to a point where I'm fortunate enough to have been able to work on it for this long with my condition, working around my condition. So obviously, it's taken mm-hmm. me a lot longer than it it might have taken me if I didn't have chronic pain or fatigue to do this. And Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate to have been able to make it this far and get to this point. But I've got to decide within, you know, the next few months whether it's actually... um, So you pay it to the 3D part, um, you pay a subscription to use that part. Mm -hmm, mm All the features are free. So it's kind of a freemium model. I've spent a lot of time and money developing this. So I love being able to work on my own thing now because... Yeah, it just being able to work around my own time is probably the one of the biggest things that I found that has actually helped my condition. So yeah, I uh, I'm I'm really excited to to listen to what people um, think of it and and see whether people think it's it's worth paying the subscription for. I can't wait to try it more. It's a question I get asked a lot because I'm in touch with a lot of particularly newly diagnosed patients who might not have any experience, say, even just mentally tracking symptoms prior. They say, you know, is there an app or is there like a journal? And there's physical ones. Some people like pencil paper, some like an online system. But I think the app is so handy because you always have your phone on you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I also tried it on paper and pencil as well. And but it was ne- I, I never had it. When I when I yeah, there was when always one or two times where I just it was somewhere else and I and I was in pain I couldn't get up so yeah yeah the, the app made a lot of sense. Well, that's really exciting. I hope other people listening have a chance to download it and try it out as well. And where can people? I'm gonna put all your links in the show notes, but where can people find you on social media or website? I'm I'm on Instagram at mm-hmm. Chronic Insights. And there's my, you can get in contact by email. I, I like email because mm-hmm. I, I find it, it encourages sort of longer form conversations, which I, I just like. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, james at chronicinsights.com. Um, and if, it, if I can ask uh, anybody who is listening who's interested in trying it, if, if you like it, please do give me a, a, a review um, on the App Store because that really does help push it up in people's search results. 
because it's just been released um so i'm kind of starting at the bottom here <laughs> um so leave a review leave a, a a star rating and let me know if there's anything that's wrong with it if there's anything missing what what you would like to see in it um because it, it's it, for sure it won't be um perfect you know everybody's got right their own, um sort of needs and and just let me know what I can do to improve it that would really help a lot um I really appreciate your honesty and there's a lot of heavy heavy things you've you've experienced and I hope it will be really inspirational to the audience to see that you know that you can come out the other side of the, of that rock bottom you know um so I'm really really grateful so thank you again thank you Cheryl thank you so much for listening to today's episode this episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, a membership and support community where you'll learn how to develop your own Thrive toolbox so you can live a full life despite your rheumatic disease or chronic illness. Learn more in the show notes or by going to www.myarthritislife.net. You can also connect with me on my social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even TikTok. Check out the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Arthritis Life Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, an educational program I created from scratch to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported, and connected in a matter of weeks. You can go through the pre-recorded course on your own, or you can take the course along with a support group. Learn more at the link in my show notes, or you can always go to www.myarthritislife.net. And if you like this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to rate and review it. I also encourage you to share it with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I also wanted to remind you that you can find full transcripts, videos, and detailed show notes with hyperlinks for each episode on my website, www.myarthritislife.net. If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you want to share your story or wisdom on the podcast, just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you.